0: It takes a village to raise a child. We all know that, right? But what happens if you can't find your village because raising your child is really, really tough? What if you are so filled with shame and doubt and guilt and fear of judgment that you don't share your triumphs and your struggles? You don't talk about it because you don't think anyone can possibly relate. Well, I've been there. And it was really hard for me to find my tribe. So I decided to make mine. I went out and found these amazing mothers who are also in the trenches, struggling to raise their kids. Together, we are a community. And in this podcast, On the Hard Days, you'll find motivating stories from other real moms who get it. We're going to accept who we are and how we show up for our children each and every day, even on the hard days. Hey guys, have you signed up for my weekly newsletter, Mothers Together? I'm hopeful that you have because this newsletter is so fun. First, I have a Mom of the Week feature, which if you didn't already catch it, these moms of the week are just regular moms like you and I who are listening to this podcast, who are followers of this community, and they want to find their people. If you send me a picture and a little bio about yourself, I'll feature you in our Mothers of the Week column, and moms can contact you and make instant friends based on the fact that we are all raising these out-of-the-box kids. And another feature in my newsletter is a recap of the week's podcast episode, as well as resources, because we all need those, and it's so helpful to just have more information. You really can never have too much when you're trying to raise the kids like we have. And so every week I will put in a resource or two, whether a book or a podcast or a blog or whatever, for you to check out. So if you haven't signed up for this newsletter yet, head to my website ontheharddays.com and enter your email address. You'll be getting this newsletter every Friday. And as always, thank you so much for your endless support. And now on to the episode. Welcome back everybody. I am so excited today. I'm talking with the mama Stephanie Smith and she is a mom and a writer. She and I had a fantastic conversation a few weeks back and I want I don't want to give it all away. I'm going to have her tell her story first, but we're talking a lot about normalizing hardships normalizing kids struggling a little bit, because that does happen, especially with kids like mine and hers. So welcome, Stephanie. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, thank you for having me. So I let's dive into you and your story and your family. Take us back to the beginning.
1: So, you know, my son is 11 years old. His name is Daschle. And from I want to say, you know, not quite from the time he was born, although I'll circle back to something that I read recently that tells me that there were signs like literally immediately um, that he was different, but, you know, uh, from the time he was very, very small, I knew he was very, very smart. Um, He spoke at eight months old. He made really strong eye contact. By a year old, he was speaking in sentences. Now, I'm not talking about, like, he wasn't giving, like, a treatise on, like, philosophy, but, like, go, car, go from an 11-month-old when my friend's kids were, you know, pointing at stuff and speaking in single syllables, and they were completely bright children. It just, he stood out in that way. Um, but what also started to, and I like, obviously like I was delighted by this. I had had such a good time with him. Like I used to joke, um, you know, going back even further than that, when I was pregnant, there was like a running theme that his head was tracking way, way big. And ultimately, like I wound up having to have, um, having to be induced and then have an emergency c-section because he was his head was too big to come out of my body so my friends would all tease me like oh yeah you're having a genius like they got me this book baby brains and like made fun of me and then I was like I felt like vindicated when he was a year old and I was like yeah have you met my kid (laughs) um but he also was different and what I started to notice as we got to be around other children so this wasn't until he was more like you know maybe 18 months old um uh, that, you know, he was a little bit uh, physically awkward. He, uh, I didn't recognize certain things as sen- sensory seeking inf- uh, stuff, but when he went to preschool, like they would describe things like that to me. And the, the, like, I knew, I knew that something was up. I didn't know what it was. And Preschool was a really, really hard time for us. You know, uh, he got bullied a bit. He was telling me that he was, you know, sitting by himself at lunch. And, like, I didn't believe him because I would ask the teacher and she would act like it was no thing. And then, of course, later I found out that it turned out to be true. And, like, you know, there was just a, a lot of stuff going on. And um, so I don't remember exactly how a bunch of the stuff shook down because, unfortunately, what was also going on around that time when we're talking about when he's, like, two and a half or so, uh, is that I was going through a divorce from his father. And it was um, a very complicated and very um, disorienting one uh, in which nothing you know, kind of was as it seemed. So like while dealing with those same issues with my kid, it was complicated and it was around them that we had him tested. Um, and at that point they weren't testing for IQ or anything like that. They were testing to see whether or not he could get an IEP. Um, you know, he, he was in a private preschool, but I was sent to like, I, we were a little too old for what's called regional center in Los Angeles. So I had to do it privately like, but anyway, they, and he, or actually, no, that's not true. I had, I did it through the school district, but it was, it was a strange whole thing. Cause he was a little bit young. And anyway, um, they couldn't find anything quote unquote wrong with him. They said to me that, uh if there was a designation for quote-unquote quirky kid that they would give it to him, Um, that he was obviously incredibly bright and his vocabulary, like when they tested him for a speech impediment because he would do things that sort of seemed like he was stuttering at that age, Mm -hmm. the speech therapist said, no, 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 your son has what I like to refer to as a Ferrari mind with a Honda mouth. He's got so much going on in his head, he can't get it out fast enough. So there's not a speech problem, it's actually just that he's very, very verbally intelligent. And so I was like, okay, well, you know, that that made sense. It didn't make it any easier when he would take forever to get a sentence out. But, you know, he was a two and a half year old speaking in a crazy sentence, so it was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but they ended up, uh, because because he would only do whatever tasks he felt like doing for them. And then he would try to engage them in conversations about other things. They, d- they were like, well, look, yeah, you can see like deficits in his performance versus his capability. So they gave um, him a diagnosis of OHI or other health impairment that allowed us to get an IEP, which meant that I could, um, you know, send him to an LAUSD preschool where there was some like sort of therapeutic component and he got OT and he's left-handed and you know, all that sort of stuff. So there were things to contend with. Um, But, you know, we were moving along and it was okay. And like, he had his friends that he played with and there were, you know, he had a lot of my friends had girls and he always got along really, really well with girls, particularly creative girls. So like they had fun and they were cool and um, things were okay. And we got to kindergarten and, oh, oh, like I'm forgetting certain things like he he would have, like he didn't like loud sounds, you know, all the classic things that you now know looking back are, uh, that can be they can be determination they can be characteristics of autism they can be characteristics of giftedness they can be characteristics of ADHD they can be sensory processing disorder they there's all of these things like you know kind of like go in this um intricate like they're they're parallel but intertwining sort of things that so it's it's hard to piece together what's going on so you know again like I I understand something is up but he's doing he's doing well he gets to kindergarten. His kindergarten teacher like literally brings me in for the first conference and says, so you realize that your son is a genius, right? And I said, (laughs) oh, great. Like I started crying because I felt like I felt seen. The first thing I did was call his nanny from when he was little and say, this is what the kindergarten teacher just said. She was like, I know. but she said, um, and, he, and I remember him saying the school was lucky to have him. And at that point, Dashiell is one of the two best readers in his class. And he literally wins the elementary school science fair because at five, he figures out how to put sticks on the bottom of a bridge so a matchbox car can get across when all the other kids are like using like, you know, paper and string and all this stuff. But then he st- he starts to have very intense reactions, like, like, and I guess this probably started closer to four. Like I'm trying to get through a lot fast for you, but like, I mean, his reactions to the, it would be like a full blown meltdown. If, if, and he didn't get upset often. I have to tell you something like as a baby, he didn't cry at all, but like once he like, and he was, and he was always very cautious. Like I never had to worry. Like my friends with their boys would be so worried that their kid was gonna like go run and dive in a pool or like, you know, whatever. I'd be like, no, no, no. My kid won't even get his face wet. That's when I forgot he wouldn't get his face wet. He still won't get his damn face wet. I bought him one-on-one swimming lessons for a freaking year and a half. And like, he finally got to the point where he would float, but now we're having to start over again. (laughs) I mean, it's like, it's a whole thing. He gets so fearful about things, like everything. Like it's like everything to him, and what I've come to understand is that his brain is taking in so much information all the time that that it's, his senses are doing the same thing, right? So anyway, we're in kindergarten. It's going well. We the, the social stuff is starting to happen. Like, he's getting pissed off. Like, he's starting to get ostracized a little bit. The other kids don't necessarily want to play what he wants to play. He tends to prefer to play on his own. Um, but yet he desperately wants a friend and says things to me like, why am I so far ahead and so far behind? And maybe that that phrase came in first grade, that phrase came in first grade, but first grade was when he finally got to be seven and seven is when I knew I could get him tested for learning disabilities. And I had this feeling and it didn't make sense. A lot of people thought I was nuts because he could read that he was dyslexic, but I was like, listen to his vocabulary, listen to the things that are interesting to him Listen to the things he gloms on to. Like, I think I told you this, Megan, when we spoke, I'll never forget when they learned about how we exhale carbon monoxide or carbon dioxide. I always uh, get that screwed up. I'm not a scientist, I'm an artist. <laughs> but uh, my son, when he was five and he learned that, for a week, he wouldn't swallow his saliva. He was just like convinced that like, this was this was gonna be the death of people and how could people be so stupid to be swallowing their own saliva? Because like, he would have this depth of thought, but not obviously he's still a little kid without the, the, the reference points for it, so. Um, Anyway, I had a feeling he was dyslexic. And I, and I also thought he might have ADHD because he just, he wasn't at that point yet inordinately hyper, but he was very impulsive and you could be talking to him and he just wouldn't hear like, and he would be lost in thought. And I mean, but then he would come up with something that was like so amazing after that. He'd be like, okay, like whatever. So I had him tested as soon as he was old enough. And um, sure enough, um, I had him tested at a place called the Summit Center, which no longer has a Los Angeles uh, office, but they specialized in twice exceptional children, because that's a thing that I, this is another thing I left out. I'm sorry. There's just so much no, to no. cover and I'm not very yeah. good uh, going in order, but I started to think that Dash was 2E by the time he was three, because when I was going through all that stuff at the preschool and they were breaking down, oh, this could be wrong with him and that could be wrong with him and blah, blah, blah. I was like, have you talked to my kid? Like. You know, yeah, I'm sure there 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 could be a bunch of stuff going on, but like, you know, he's talking about curing homelessness and the big bang, and he's in preschool. So like, I don't know. when he got when he got tested, he uh, he has dyslexia. He has mid-range dyslexia. He has mid-range dysgraphia, which is like dyslexia with handwriting. Um, and he has relatively severe ADHD and he is profoundly gifted in at least one area. So um, they also told me to, I, I went to have him um, tested for auditory processing issues and he had mild auditory processing issues. I thought he would outgrow, which he did, but what she was able to tell me there, and I don't know exactly how this works. So, you know, don't call me to uh, task on the science. I'd have to go and find the report to read it. But. He's left-handed, and a lot of left-handed people—there um, are no like ten percent of left-handed people have their hemispheres reversed. So what our right hand, right side does, their left side does. Dashiell has that. So, um, so his brain just works like completely in its own in its own way. At that point in first grade, we had an IEP, and I went back to them and I said, "Okay, look, well now we know it's not OHI. He's got dyslexia. He's got dysgraphia. He's gifted. Like, what are we going to do?" Mm-hmm. And. <laughs> <laughs> and God love him. He was at a lovely magnet school in Los Angeles that we got into um, on a uh, on lottery. And I think it's a great school. And my friends, I have multiple friends with kids there. Like, I have nothing bad to say about the school. But the woman who was running their special education department that particular year was a moron. And you can quote me. she literally looked at the thing now my kid had met every single goal and his goals by his kindergarten teacher who remember knew how bright he was and was I mean the best kindergarten teacher that ever walked the face of the earth I mean he literally this guy and I'm not just saying that because he said that about my kid like he's been there forever he's the nicest man used to be in the military used to like be a college professor like did all this stuff and then his passion was teaching kindergarten wow And we still have a picture of him in Dashiell's bedroom. Like I love this man. He was great. He gave him a great, he gave him great guidelines. So his goals were set in a way that he would actually grow. Like they weren't remedial goals. They were just done in a private atmosphere where he could focus to get them done. So he met every goal on his first grade checklist when he was in the resource room. But in the classroom, he met zero of them. So this woman who ran the special education department was like, maybe we should just put a cone around him so that he can focus during class. And I was like, Oh, so we should ostracize him further when he's coming home saying he doesn't, uh, the, oh, so many things I'm leaving out. Like he, um, Dashiell at that point in first grade when he knew how different he was and was really struggling with it and the why am I so far ahead and so far behind would say things like, I don't deserve to live. I should just jump out a window. Um, why, like I, somebody should just shoot me with a gun. Like, I mean, it was meltdown. He would go to camp in the summer and i would get calls from the camp that when something went wrong with a peer or whatever and he was crying he was saying he should kill himself or if and it usually wasn't that anybody did anything to him it was if he did something to somebody else yes. so if he got if he got pissed off because he and another kid were fighting over something and he couldn't contain himself and he smacked the kid or like what and he never like hit anybody in the face he was never particularly violent but just say he did anything that was you know that was a little bit inappropriate that he shouldn't have done it was like a self hatred tirade I mean like deep 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 stuff so that ultimately I was able to use um, I took that horrible IEP that was recorded and uh, went to the district and asked for placement at a special school which I had already gone through the process once I had the testing done of having him admitted and all that sort of stuff and so he is lucky enough to go to um, a school that is for you know gifted kids with learning differences the thing we still struggle with For better or worse, and this is nothing against anybody with various um, various differences, because obviously now we know, like you know, everybody's neurology is so different and all that sort of stuff, Um, or neurological wiring, I should say, um, is that most of the kids that are in school with him are autistic, and one of the things we struggle with in that environment is that one of Dashiell's great like gifts in life is that he is so empathetic and so immediately aware of other people's emotions and can peg people. Like one of my running jokes is when he was at that preschool where he got bullied, he said to one of the dads, do you love yourself? (laughs) He was (laughs) great. You know, so like he, he does, he just, he, he has this understanding of people and this really wild perception. Like he, he's able to just like pinpoint things like so, so when he was, you know, first at school, like he he loved when he transferred to the new school, it made him so happy right away. He got to do like, um, first of all, he was a second grader in a classroom with fifth graders. So it was a mixed age group. And I think that dynamic of being the youngest one was actually really good for him because it like really encouraged his brain to like its strengths. So, you know, getting to like do uh, hands-on projects and all that sort of stuff was really wonderful for him. But the next year, the big kids went away and the classroom kind of shifted. And he was frustrated by the fact that some kids, like in order to behave, they, they would get like, you know, there would be prizes for behaving and all that sort of stuff. And so he would come home and say to me, well, like, why do they get prizes just for being nice? Why can't people just be nice for the sake of being nice? And like things like that.
0: Oh my gosh. So, you
1: know. I guess that the overarching theme in getting to this place and now he's 11 and he's killing it and he is behind in math but advanced in every other academic subject and um, still desperately longing for a friend who truly gets him but does have a few people that he hangs out with and connects with has one girlfriend in particular who he's uh, he gets he does really well with but they've been friends since they were 18 months old you know the, the theme is that it's always changing and every every time you think you kind of get a grip and you know how it's gonna work um, something shifts and you know the biggest uh, the biggest thing I think that we have going for us is that I understand him and he like he he knows that you know what I mean like we have a very very close relationship and now I would say I'm in the um, the phase of trying to pull back and not fix everything for him and let him stumble and let him figure things out himself because it's difficult. But yeah, and I know you said you wanted to talk about like sort of what we touched on, like normally normalizing the idea that gifted kids um, often have
0: differences. Yeah. I, mean, I, I do want to just say quickly um, that I wish I knew you five years ago. <laughs> I, I want to make it known for those listening who know my child, you're going, they probably have their mouths dropped open at the similarities with a very few exceptions. Everything you said is my child. Everything. Now I'm a few years behind you. He's seven Mm -hmm. in first grade turning eight in a few months. And I mean, from the sensory loud noises issue to the does things with caution to the um, not wanting water on their face. Swimming lessons are a nightmare to the first grade. Why am I so bright? And, and why, why doesn't that feel good to the, I want to die. Literally everything. I, it was like, gosh, if I had you five years ago, six years ago, I don't even know if I would have needed this podcast because I, I would have felt fulfilled, I would have felt validated. And I didn't have you. and I didn't have anybody like you. I had never heard of twice exceptionality. My doctor didn't seem to know much about it. The teachers didn't seem to know much about it. And I'm a teacher too, so I don't blame them. I knew nothing, never heard the term. In fact, when he was diagnosed with, you know, labeled with that at age four, I actually tucked that report away because it was talking about how he's going to need to be challenged in school. And I was like, okay, well, he's doing, he's, he's in a good preschool right now. So whatever this means. And I tucked it in a drawer, I didn't even touch it for a year. And now it's all I can think about twice exceptionality, being ahead, being behind. It's, it's, oh Yeah.
1: So I just want yeah, to think. being on multiple sides of the curve, and one of the things that I think is the most interesting about these kids, at least in my experience, and this may only be true of ADHD, but you know, I think it's true of, of m- many of these children. They're intellectually advanced, but emotionally behind, and yes. yet, so it's weird. Like Dash, my kid, like in certain ways, like he'll still snuggle with me, like he was nine years old. Sometimes, I mean, sometimes he won't. Sometimes he's going to talk about puberty and how uncomfortable it's making him, and he has this little <laughs> tiny mustache, and it's weird, and like all this stuff but sometimes oh, he's still like a baby. Like he still has his stuffed animals and all yes. that sort of stuff. And then yet has such insight into other people's emotions. Um, I, I get what you're saying too. I told, I told you this when I spoke to you that the reason that I even, you know, reached out to you, uh, was after I listened to that first podcast, I felt, um, I felt seen and I felt sort of warm, fuzzy. I, um, I did. I entrenched myself in this world pretty quickly because because it was so obvious to me that he was so different. I mean, and now I was, this is what I was gonna tell you earlier, right? So I just read the other day that there's now evidence that with profoundly gifted people that from birth, you can tell they make stronger eye contact. They have strong necks that observe everything. They smile sooner, all that stuff. I took pictures of Dashiell. I found, I had like a Facebook update from one of, from my best friend actually who had come over and been like, I can't believe Daschle like pushing himself up and looking around. He was like one month old. He didn't crawl fast, he didn't walk fast, but he had to check every single thing out on such a profound level I took pictures of him in the bathtub at my mother's when he was two months old and his gaze is like fixed on me and it's so serious and like I posted it and my other friend was like I had a dream that your kid was speaking in sentences from that bathtub like he was it was just it was there really early on and and while I could see the deficits, and while I could see there were differences I was just like I don't know. So I just started doing research and I happen to live. And another thing I said to you, right? Like you're in Connecticut. I'm from Connecticut. Like I know the Northeast. I know like all the the proper channels and everybody's all official. And, you know, we still don't talk about our feelings because it's still New England and all that sort of stuff. (laughs) I've been in California for 20 years. I came out here for school Um, I live in Los Angeles, I work in entertainment, I'm surrounded by weirdos, I'm a bit of a weirdo. So there were a lot of resources for me and um, Bridges, which is arguably like the place for twice exceptional children. I mean, I literally just bought a house like six minutes away from it like but but even when I was living on the other side of the hill and like my kid was little and I was going through a divorce and whatever like I just zeroed in on it and so I saw I watched a video with the kids that went there and I was like that's my kid like that you know that like this one kid who was like this class president type but who also struggled with ADHD and whatever else I was like that's my child I mean he'll get up and that's the thing too right he's He's so charming, like the adults love him. Like when we just went to switch campuses at the school he's at now, they were like, please don't take him away from me, the therapist or whatever else. But then at the same time, like he's so difficult.
0: So, <laughs> Yes, I don't and know. I,
1: A sense yeah. of community is important.
0: Yeah, it is, it is. And, and I think you are so lucky to have those resources, have a little bit of that knowledge. I couldn't see past his terrible meltdowns at the preschool age. To see anything else. So I was completely taken aback when he went to have his first um, neuropsych eval. Mm-hmm. And the, the psychologist came out and said, I was expecting, I wanted to know why my kid was melting down for so long, so often, and in the aggressive, over the top way that he was. And he came out and said, You know, your kid is gifted, right? It's like, What? Wait, gifted? I, 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 okay, cool. But how are you going to help me stop these meltdowns? <laughs> you know, I, I was lost under that piece of it, but now it's like, wow! I think back, wow, he—how was my kid gifted? And, you know, what were the signs? He memorized the entire world map, almost the entire world map at age four. I have this cute video of him saying each state of the Aww. United States at age four, and he also was his memory was weird. I always thought that this was interesting and not—I don't know—he colored the map at home to match the colors of the map at his preschool at school and he nailed it. Yeah. So, you know, that was cool and all, but prior to all that, it was like, I am a terrible mother because my child is a wreck. He is miserable. He cries all the time. He screams all the time. I have no clue what I'm doing wrong. Did you ever have that time early on where you were questioning you and, and struggling with that mental piece?
1: Yes. I mean, well, I hear, I mean, two things let me let me just say this quickly to say it one of the other problems too though is that like quote-unquote gifted is a dirty word and people think you're bragging when like really like it comes with all of this shit like it comes with so much hard stuff like like it's not being like I was super smart in school it's not that (laughs) it's not (laughs) bright it is not bright it is not like you know top of the class necessarily I mean I'm sure there are instances where that is the case but it is so much bigger than that and so different than that like when I say it like I say these other things almost to to make myself feel better and like enjoy the easy parts because it's hard and yes I go through um when I first reached out to you I happen to be on the other side of it now because as I said before everything ebbs and flows right but like when my son first entered puberty even I was like okay how am I gonna do this because it's he's already at 10 and 11 getting so intense in a way that I was expecting when he was like 14. And it's not, it's not like sexual or hormonal in that way yet, but it's very much like he is short. He thinks he is right. He is going to tell you he is right. And he's like, no, 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 no. And he's going to cut you off and whatever until like, I have to raise my voice. And then I'm like, I'm screaming, he's 11. I shouldn't be screaming like all that sort of stuff. I will say when he was very little, I prided myself. I don't think I raised my voice at once until he was four, but then it got ugly. <laughs> then it got ugly and I felt horrible. And I was going through a divorce. And no doubt I was drinking too much wine because I was alone with a preschooler who talked from the second he woke up in the morning until night and wouldn't go to sleep without me and couldn't fall asleep. Mm. And until he was nine years old, my son did not sleep through the night. And the only way he even started sleeping through the night was when he got threatened by his father, who he's actually afraid of. So now he still doesn't sleep through the night. He just doesn't come and wake me up anymore. (laughs) <laughs> like, We're yeah, sick. I mean like, yeah, the insomnia, the all the things, magnesium really helps us. I highly recommend magnesium. He does sleep a lot better now and he's also gotten a little older and whatever, but like he'll still wake up sometimes and he has anxiety. Oh my God, the various times that I, when I deal with his anxiety, I don't know what to do. And there are times that I get frustrated and I'll be like, come on, it's not gonna get you. And like, then I'm like, oh, I'm horrible. No, I still have that. I still have the blaming myself and not knowing how to navigate it And, um, I went, oh my God, I went through the biggest phase where I literally convinced myself that because I breastfed him twice after I'd had wine that I caused all of this like I uh, and one of them like I didn't I didn't breastfeed him that night I had gone out with my friends pumped and dumped and then came home and breastfed him the next day and I convinced myself like later that like oh god I had gone out that night with uncle jay and had a lot of booze and then I came home you know like I had all the reasons that 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 this you know uh like yeah I've been through all of that and and I mean he's I mean Uh, the way I dealt with his intensity a lot of times though was to just like have fun with it I remember taking pictures of him pouting in the corner of his room he looks like he's four going on 40 like brooding but he's so cute though (laughs) oh yeah but no it was so hard it was so hard and the ostracization however I say that word pardon me that I felt uh with other parents was very intense Yes. very intense and some of them turned out to be not particularly nice people so that made it a worse you know things like that like I remember one of the moms whose kid had bullied my kid at preschool running into us at camp the next summer okay oh I heard Dash was doing so much better I heard he's not hitting anymore and I'm like I don't know because your kid's not taunting him every day while he sits by himself at lunch that could be why But And that's not
0: even, I mean, there's nothing constructive in that comment to you to begin with. Oh,
1: it's just douchey, but there's, there's a lot of that, right? Like when your kid is different, you stand out and like some people will see the good and other people will see the bad and some people only see the bad and then blame you. and and like I I even I still get embarrassed sometimes like when I've been out now and I've gotten frustrated and like I don't know how to react to them and I get frustrated and I'm like come on dash just blah 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 and like then I'll watch them deal with their kid and they're like so good and they've got it all down and they speak all the nice parenting languages and everything and I'm like oh god
0: they say, come on, you know, let's go ahead. Let's go do this thing. Okay.
1: I understand. That's how that makes you feel, but you know, and like, I can do that sometimes, but sometimes I just can't like when, when, when everything is all over the place and I, it's
0: just too much. No. And honestly, kids like ours, they say, they see right through that garbage anyway. And they, my son feels patronized he feels like he cannot stand being talked to in that sing-songy sort of kid oh, voice. Yeah, no. Don't talk to me that way, it. yeah. Yes, I mean, absolutely. He will read you like a book if you come in and, and start like, you know, you know, and that can be hard because at school, you know, counselors and and people who don't know him and who don't get him are gonna talk to him like that because he's in first grade. You need to talk to him like an adult. He he is intelligent and he wants to show you what he knows And he wants to communicate with you on a deeper level. And by bringing up your high voice and sweet, you know, sweet talking, forget it. He's done. But then at the same time, like you said, they can be very immature. My son loves stuffed animals. He um, is very much not a kind of boy's boy in many ways. Um, My kid wasn't getting there now. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's what I, th- I'm sure, you know, will happen. He, but he prefers science and animals over sports oh, and Yeah. No sports. Whatever, we just, day.
1: we, my kid is 11 and we literally just taught him started teaching him how to throw a, bo- a baseball. Like we okay. literally like two weekends ago in the backyard Yeah, gloves. He had to get the yeah. hat because he was afraid it was going to hit him in the head. Yes. But then he went in the batting cage and thought it was rad. Oh my God. So, but like, he is so not that he's, and he actually asked me to play golf and he's teaching himself how to play chess. Yeah. So, like, but, you good. know, it's, it's weird. Like what I want to make sure I'm not doing is like, I sound, oh, he's teaching himself to play chess and blah, blah, blah. That's all fine and good. But I'll tell you what is really confusing, which is when you know all this stuff and you know, your kid is super bright and whatever else. And my kid can't learn his times tables. Yep. My kid who can literally talk about infinity and the theory of relativity and is with his dyslexia reading a physics book. Yep cannot do his times tables. He cannot remember them. They can't get in his head. He's had to go back and his tutor has gotten him an abacus. His tutor who specializes in two week kids is amazing. And I have had her since he was in first grade. Um, And they are doing uh, skip counting so that he can memorize multiplication. But he can talk to you about the concept of infinity and about pi and about all these high level concepts, mm-hmm. basic things, basic things, mm-hmm. performing. Thank God he's not in public school anymore, like where he had to do the things that were dibbles where you had to read on the spot. Because like, like I said, he can read really advanced stuff. He picks up on, he understands movie structure. I'm like, I have a master's degree from the number one film school in the world. And like, I had to do that to get to understand movie structure. My kid from the time he's four gets it. But like, if you asked him to read a book at grade level out loud, that wouldn't happen. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: I think that kids like ours, same in, in, in different ways because mine is younger than yours, but he was an extremely late potty trainer uh for example he didn't tie his shoes until very recently riding a bike was oh, yeah a nightmare you know all those things
1: we are but- going back to bike camp again this summer because Ugh. we had done it and he learned how to ride a bike and then covet happened yes and, and awesome. we lost it all because we're in los angeles where you couldn't leave your house oh right so we were like shut-ins all last year where you weren't even going out on the street So he's lost riding a bike. We tried to get back on the bike uh, once we were all out outside again two months ago and he was completely lost again. So now I've got to do one-on-one bike camp again at 11, even though he did it at nine
0: yes yes same same here with um swimming and every summer you know waiting till it gets warm again it's like okay back to the pool and it takes almost the whole summer to get comfortable in the water again and still not there still doesn't want the top of his head wet still uses a washcloth in the shower to cover his face so he doesn't get water actually does it that still there. at
1: 11 he doesn't he doesn't do it fully the whole time anymore but he still keeps it right there so that he can like reach over and go Good. like this and you know what
0: that my son, as a toddler, was a nightmare about washing his hair. It was like Christmas morning when he finally was able to use that strategy of putting a washcloth on his face. So I don't care if you're 45 years old and you want to still do that, great, because that got us through a meltdown-free shower. And, and for kids like ours, that's, that's the whole thing. It's like, what are your gifts? What are your strengths? Let's tap into those. Why try to force them into hardships? Why am I going to force sports why am I going to force things that are not their gifts this kind of goes for any kid I guess but let's go ahead and just follow the lead you're lucky I mean you're you have a lot of school options we don't have as many of those over here and so Well, really I've got two honestly
1: really I had two but um Well, I mean, there's others, but like, I didn't think I could send them to, and and I could be wrong here because I have a a good girlfriend who I had lost touch with, but I'm recently back in touch with whose daughter goes to a school for gifted kids. And she was like, Dazzle could totally go to Merman. Like there are plenty of other kids there that are like quirky and like ADHD and whatever else in different ways. But at the time I didn't see it that way because our experience in public school was so brutal and strange and mixed that like i thought oh my god there's so many things to fix and like you when i read that neuropsych i didn't zero in on the 99.7th percentile visual spatial thing i thought that was pretty impressive and cool but i zeroed in on his processing speed which was like the second percentile and like all that sort of stuff and like the dyslexia and the like i saw all the flaws and thought oh my god how am i going to help this kid achieve his potential because there's obviously so much potential. And then the other thing I didn't want to do is I, I think for me, I had a need to succeed that was born out of trying to prove myself worthy because I didn't feel good enough. And fortunately it all worked out, but it was real hard for a long time. And it's still something I carry. And I have this thing where I, nothing I do is ever good enough in my own mind. And I don't wanna give that to my kid. I don't want him to think he needs to uh, be on a global stage or change the world or whatever else to be successful. I just want him to feel good about himself and like he's using the things he's good at, right? So like, yeah, I don't I don't want him to feel like it, it has to be some grand thing. So when you're always you know, telling a kid how smart they are or whatever, like I, I try to, like, it was important to give him that because he felt so stupid and yet he knew it, he knew. But at the same time, without making him think, a he's superior, which I don't think he thinks because he's got enough hard stuff that he gets that it's different. But also that, that, that means it has to translate to something beyond just being happy.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, and uh, we've had the same conversation. It was like there was he was so miserable that I was like, you know what? It's fine. It's time to tell him about his amazing brain. But then it was like, now he talks about how gifted he is, you know, and it's, he has a twin sister, which makes it a little tough for her too. Oh, geez. And so you've got
1: Sheldon. Oh, you yeah. Sheldon,
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that they, um, yes, I, that was that a great show. So he, it was like, how do I, he wasn't feeling good about himself. You want to raise your kid up. You want to lift them up, but it comes at a cost and two E kids are just so Complicated and, and public schools, and I teach in one, so I'm going to be the first to say, don't know anything about that. In fact, I had to go to my colleagues and say, Guys, here's what twice exceptionality is start paying attention in your class and looking out for it. We didn't receive, receive training on that. Um, you know, it's, it's not our fault, but at the same time, it now feels like my job my new job to be an advocate for my r- bring child awareness to it. It is absolutely. And, and when you said, and this is where this comes together, there's that stereotype of being gifted and bragging and they can do this, they can do that. Yeah. But they're also struggling. And you said, um, normalize that, normalize the connection and, and having those two things go together, being very intelligent and having challenges, hardships, and sensitivities and have that go together. So speak about that a little bit, because I loved that line,
1: well, I just think it's about raising awareness, right? Like I think, you know, look, culturally we've become more aware of autism specifically because there's been like shows about it and stuff like that, right? And characters that we recognize that have those sorts of things. Um, even in like, and, and that's what I, you know, what I do like, is for a living is write. So like I try to bring that to my writing, right? And I, I think about my child when I write and I think about all that sort of stuff. And um, but I think just even as parents and as educators and, uh, you know, in any in parenting circles, like being open about it and, and not being ashamed to, you know, say this or that is going on or this comes together or no, this is actually different than that. And I don't know. I mean, I don't know exactly what we do, but I think that it's I think it's important. You know, my husband is um, is neuro as well. And. I think he always jokes that we never, if we had met younger, that way as my second husband, <laughs> obviously, um, <laughs> that we never would have clicked because I wouldn't have been able to deal with his quirks before I had a son that is like that. And I think that's absolutely true. And I think we've got these ideas of what people are supposed to be like. And it's sort of like, you know, uh, like, and I don't want to get, I don't, I don't mean this in any way, shape or form politically, uh, but, uh, but I mean it in terms of like our culture, right? Like we've all been raised, like there was a norm and the norm was the heteronormative white people that have two kids and a picket fence and a white collar job. And they can know all these different things. Well, there's so many different kinds of people. And we now accept that in terms of like, you know, Uh, being LGBTQ or of various races from all over the world and different religions, or at least we should like my, like my philosophy is everybody should be embraced. Mm -hmm. And like one of the things that needs to be embraced uh, as part of all of this stuff is neurodiversity because people's brains are different. And very oftentimes, if you think about it, it's not far from logic to recognize that if a part of a brain, especially in terms of development of children, and I'll get to adults in a second, but like, If one part of your brain is developing so quickly that you're so far ahead, it would make sense that it's taking the energy from the other one that's going to develop slower and have to catch up, right? And so they say a lot of these kids, you know, most of them like things sort of even out a little bit later, but as an adult with an ADHD brain or an adult with dyslexia, like some of those things stick, but they're not. They're deficits because of the way the world is set up and the expectations that we have, but they're not actually deficits in terms of the way that that the world works, right? You look at how many people that have done really, truly, genuinely amazing things because they think differently and they have ADHD and dyslexia or autism or any of these things because they're able to not look through the lens that we're all looking at through all the time. So I think if we could be more accepting of that and instead of... uh, look, having a child like this gives you compassion, right? Like I look back having now raised my son to 11, but it started from the time he was three or four. And I look back at people that I grew up with in the eighties and nineties in the Northeast, some of whom were so obviously bright, but would get like bounced into the lower level classes or were constantly in the principal's office or whatever else. Some of those people have gone on to become very successful adults. Others have not, but like, if they could have been seen for what they were capable of, as opposed to this person can't sit still and can't do what, you know, the nun says, or like, this person is, you know, really struggling in this particular subject, but is a genius in that one, or, you know, it was just never like that. And as somebody who happened to tick off all the boxes of what was expected, I didn't get it. And I don't know that I looked down on anybody, because that sort of wasn't in my wheelhouse for whatever my own issues were. But like, I definitely didn't understand that some of those people were probably smarter than I was.
0: Mm-hmm. Same here. What you just said was, you know, is worth repeating. <laughs> it was so good, but especially the part about children being known for what they're capable of. That that is so powerful. That's how it should be in school. That should ha- is how it should be when just raising your children in general. We should for all children focus on what they can do, right? Not what they can't. And and you're right. You know, we are getting to a place where we're finally more open to so many different types of people. Neurodiverse people are not in that category, probably because most people don't even know what it means. Most people don't know, don't it. Even know what it means. Um, it, You know, the resources aren't there. The community isn't there. That's the, I mean, I, that's the piece that I, can speak to. I don't have the answers, but I was lacking people who understood me. And therefore it felt like it was all my fault that my son was the way he was because I didn't even know twice exceptionality. I had no clue. And to find these mothers like you, it's like, oh my gosh, it's, it's life changing. It's life giving. And honestly, I wish that, you know, this is great for me to have you. I want to put my son on a zoom call with, with the kids of these mothers I speak with to say, Hey, buddy, it's not just you. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. There's nobody like me. I hate myself. I don't know why I am the way I am. No, really, buddy. There's other people like you, you know, and and, and that's just a journey. But what if, what if society were to look at neurodiverse people and see them for their gifts? Like, so good. So and I think in some cases, as they get
1: older, that does become
0: the case, right? Like
1: it does if you but the problem is, I always said to people, I never worried about my son as an adult, I worried about getting him to adulthood. Yes, right? Same. Like, it's like, yep. it's like, how do you get there? Like, hey, what is, I wrote in something I was trying to get on a show that was about neuro um, Diverse people. I didn't get the job because none of my writing samples were right, but I was trying to say, like, my life experience is right because, like, my kid could save the world, but I got to get him
0: through third grade, you know? <laughs> yep. 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 And I and love that
1: was, like, legitimately how I felt at that time.
0: Yes. I love hearing those examples. There have been a couple of Facebook groups over the years that were the first place that I found uh, other mothers like us and kids like ours. And they would crack jokes about, like, you know, tell us one thing your kid does that's like blow you away. And then one thing that you would never believe. And it's like, you know, um, long division at age three, but still in diapers or, you know, it, it, the two things, the asynchronous development of our children is something that people need to understand educators, administrators, counselors, therapists, um,
1: yeah, for God's sake, if you're gonna go into special education, know stuff about gifted and right?
0: exceptional people. Yes. Do not
1: suggest a cone around a child. Come you know. Come on.
0: Come on. <laughs> like, but also, and I mean, and this is a whole other bucket of worms, but um special education typically does not have anything to do with high-level kids. Now, wow. oh yeah, dyslexia, that's true. Yes, you know, we don't um, touch the high stuff.
1: It's weird because I think uh Yes. I mean, it's weird. Like I said, Los Angeles is a, is a strange place. And what I've encountered is most of the people I know in special ed have dealt with kids that are really, really bright too. Um, but, but yeah, like obviously not, not all of them and they don't even recognize that it's something that goes together. I don't know. I think I've been so again, my kid, it's 11 and I live in a weird metropolitan area where there, there seems to be a high percentage of kids. Now, granted, I, I think also I'd be real curious to see the stats just in my profession. there like, I know like five people with kids that are in some way too-y. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 you know, I mean. That's good. That's a lot for of you. creatives and all that sort of yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah, but even within that, one thing that's complicated is that each of these kids is so unique and so different yeah. that- you know you may think they click for a minute and then they don't because they both want their way and like you know all that sort of stuff my son is inordinately good at compromise and at um and at sort of seeing other people clearly and going okay well he can't he his emotions he doesn't have a handle on his emotions enough that it, it can't be his way so i'll do it his way you know, but after a while, like it's grating on him and then he doesn't want to hang out anymore. He's like, ah, I mean, look, he's just, it's always going to be his way. So forget it, mm-hmm. you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, sounds- I'm still, I'm desperate so. for him to find, to find a good friend. But as I said to him, I don't think, you know, I had a lot of friends as a kid, but I don't think I had someone I really like clicked with on a real truly meaningful level, probably
0: until college. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's just maybe longer for them. And so what, where you stand now, you get your child. Oh, that really resonated with me as well. Like my son knows that I get him and that I'm one of the very few who does. And, and, and you know what I should get him. He's my child. And if nobody else is going to understand him, then I have got to advocate for him. Yeah. Where are you now? Do you feel, are you kind of in a, a daily place of strength? Like this is my kid and I'm going to advocate for him and I'm ready to, you know, kind of fight or are you still in the, um, sometimes feeling down about like, I don't know what I'm doing or somewhere in the middle.
1: It alternates, right? I'll tell you what, I don't worry about him school-wise anymore because he could go all the way through 12th grade at the school he's at. And like I said, we've been very fortunate, you know, he was the youngest kid they ever took. They were just trying to develop their program. I wanted to pull him because for a while, like sometimes new 2E schools become dumping grounds for smart kids with behavioral problems. And that happened in his second year. So like I transferred his campus, but the headmaster was like, you can go between any campus you want, like we want you here, all that. So I have been so fortunate in that regard. And then meanwhile, down the street, I have literally like the creme de la creme of twice exceptional schools. if I can figure out how to come up with $45,000 a year, he can go there, you know, assuming he gets in. Oh but, um, but either way, I feel like I'm spoiled in that department. And I think that I am, you know, I've avoided a choice that I made was anytime standardized tests came up, I opted him out Yep, because I didn't yep. see the point of putting him through something that he was probably gonna tank even though it had no reality like right like because he when they would test him even when he'd go through like the iep testing they would joke they would tell me about it oh yeah he'll ask me like why are you asking me this question and why do we care about this and this and why did that guy do that and like so he wouldn't like he would run out of time because he was asking questions about the material and it wasn't it wasn't you know it wasn't that he didn't understand it it was that he didn't want to take your stupid test and why are we here again why do i need to do this you know like that sort of stuff so um, so I've opted out of that stuff, but I am getting to the point now where I'm curious to see how he would perform. So I know if I'm uh, deluding myself into thinking that I don't need to worry educationally. I assume that he may have to go or may choose to go, I should say to community college for a couple of years, largely because of being closer to home and getting being at home and getting used to a routine that is of his own choosing because he definitely still like my kid, for all of this, like if I don't time his showers and even when I do time his showers, he still gets lost and forgets to wash his hair and has to stay in longer. Or he goes in to brush his teeth and like goes around, he has the electric toothbrush and does the three minute cycle like six times because he's busy thinking about something in his head. And like, so all of that, the executive function piece of my child is very, very weak. He has really, really bad executive function. He's got a massive imagination, but his executive function is in the toilet and time doesn't exist. And then he'll tell me, no, 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 no. The time that you're worried about isn't real time. I understand real time. It's the thing that allows the universe to function. And now let's talk about strange matter. And I'm like, Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Like just, just brush your teeth. But Um, so right now I'm in the deluded place of thinking that educationally he'll be fine, even if it's on a slower path or not, or maybe he won't go to college because he's of a different generation and he'll invent some app or whatever else. Like, I don't know, again, I don't want to put all my stuff on him. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm one of those people with a hundred grand in grad school debt. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) he doesn't need to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, but in terms of the emotional stuff, it's very much up and down for me. Mm -hmm. I have weeks when I think I am ace, like, you know, last week, we were good. I felt like, all right, I'm a good mom. We got this down. We're having a good time together. We're not bickering. We're not arguing. But like a month ago I was so keyed up and up to here that I thought I was going to lose my mind and I didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. So I think that is um, an up and down mm-hmm. and it's an up and down to know how much to indulge him. like I said, we're reaching an age where I am trying to be, um, less lenient than I have been in certain ways and let him experience failure and you know all that sort of stuff but I just felt like he went through so many hard things for a while that it was hard not to coddle him a little bit and like sometimes it didn't even feel like coddling it just felt like he needed things that were for that might have been more ostensibly appropriate to children that were younger than him because he just needed that and it's, it's what you said it's like it's knowing what your particular child needs at a given time you know
0: Yes. Um, Yes. And, and honestly, what you just said, where, where's the book that says when raising a child, they should not have stuffed animals at 12, or they should not, you know, you're giving your child what he needs. It doesn't matter his age. You know, I I don't know why we as a society are still doing that. There's the box. We're shoving the kids in it. You got to fit in that box. You don't fit in that box. There's something wrong with you. Like the, just give them what they need no matter the age I don't know that, yeah
1: honestly. well it's hard right because like everything has been so prescriptive and so I mean like just think about the you know the the, the baggage that was put on women for years that we still carry and all, all that sort of stuff it's just this is the way things done and things are done according to this particular type of functions this way so you know, it's a long way from that. And so it does make it harder. You're right, as a parent, it's much harder to parent a kid like this. Listen, when I went through um, my divorce and started dating again, like key number one, you know, somebody had to understand my child. And I'll never forget, like I had this day that my son who at the time was in kinder, it took me from what he was calling the big banger all the way through a collective consciousness in the sky where he was gonna be in a Johnny Rockets with Martin Luther King and Albert Einstein. And for some reason, the guy who killed Martin Luther King because he was gonna redeem himself in some capacity. And they were gonna figure out how to communicate with the world, with the, with the regular plane of people through a machine, through the weather. And anyway, it was wild. It was like, there was the big banger And then there were the Egyptian people and the dinosaurs and the, and the mommy, you know, it's not done yet. We're going to get to a place where I can be at the Johnny Rockets in the sky. And I go and tell my then boyfriend this. And he looks at me and goes, well, thank God you're going to send him to a special school because all the kids would think he's a freak. Ugh. We broke up the next week. Um- <laughs>
0: uh,
1: yeah. God, why? How? But- but, you know, like, there are going to be people like that out there. And like, so people that, you know, people that understand children like this, you know, it's weird though. Cause I don't know. I mean, like for whatever any of this is worth, like I tutored when I came out of graduate school, I worked at a Sylvan learning center. Mm-hmm. And for some reason I became like the person there that specialized in kids that I now understand to be twice exceptional. Mm-hmm. Didn't know at the time, but I was fascinated by these kids like this one kid i'll never forget this kid as long as i live i google this little kid because he would be like 18 now (laughs) to be like whatever happened to him because he was so brilliant but he had such bad anger issues and nobody understood him and like now i can see plainly he was like my child and the you know the mid two thousands system didn't understand that. And yes,
0: yes. And plus, they're looking at behavior. They're looking at the the output. You know what we're getting from the child without taking the time to dive. To figure into out why. Into why? Yep. Yep.
1: There, there was what I mean. It's some bastardized this quote, I'm sure, but there was some quote about like there are no bad children, only sad children, or only like angry children. But it's true, like there's something going on when a child is acting out or when a child uh, seems like so out of character for what the norm would be. And it can be situational. It can just be upset. Like my kid gets major anxiety. Sometimes we have a joint custody situation, which is horrible for a child like mine. I really, really hate that it's the scenario, but I don't think there's a way around it. And so he has to, and I think in a way it's helped him. It's made him more adaptable because he has to do this thing that's really hard for him. And he's an adaptable kid anyway. That's He doesn't have a rigidity issue at all. He's very good with flow. He just gets lost in his thoughts all the time. When he's stressed out, sometimes it'll be when he comes back from his dad's, and I'll have to be like, okay, wait, he's adjusting to an entirely new house mm-hmm. and to a different set of rules and all that sort of stuff. So I got to give him a little, like, I can't just automatically go to DEF CON 9 because he's snippy with me. I have to like be like, hey,
0: Dash, listen you're
1: home and if you need to take a few minutes and like adjust and whatever,
0: cool, but you can't take it out on me, so. Yeah, and that's that's a struggle that we're at right now, but it may be the age as well. I think that you listening to you talk, you sound so, um, what's the word? You're just sitting in the knowledge of the truth of your child. And I like hearing that because I think there's a lot of mothers who are listening and myself included when my son was younger, where there was so much doubt and guilt and judgment not only from other people but also judgment from themselves and i you just sound like you've definitely come out on that other side i'm sure there are moments but you get your kid you yeah. know him in and out and you're there to support him as he grows and i mean that's really what we all want to do and you you trust in that it seems like yeah.
1: i mean here's the thing i i always i didn't i didn't ever plan on having children <laughs> I always joke that I'm the only agnostic who got pregnant and thought it was a sign from God, but it's true. I got pregnant with him and I knew I was going to have him. I was engaged to his father. We were actually about to break up, ended up, I took it as a sign. We were supposed to go through with this thing. I was going to do it. We still ended up divorced, but like, I feel like, and especially for somebody who, like I said, is not any kind of specific believer that he was meant to be my kid. Like some people like really click with their kids. Some people don't, whatever else. Like I am in awe of my child. I don't always know how to deal with him. I find him really frustrating sometimes, but I'm mostly amazed by him and, 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 and endeared to him. Like I get such a kick out of him. And he's, uh, you know, for all of the things that he struggles with and whatever, like, God, I want him to have a friend more than anything. That's really what I want is for him to have other connection. COVID has been really hard on these kids but um and and add that to everything else that he already didn't have a big friend group to choose from and all that sort of stuff you know it's complicated but um but i think yeah i think i just i just embrace him as he is but part of that is also because like i of my own personal journey right like i broke the mold i moved away from home i'm an artist like all that sort of stuff so i was prone to kind of accept the weirdness
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I just love what you just said, accepting him for who he is and, and how, you know, he's super frustrating sometimes, but it, yep, super frustrating, but look at all the good, right? And it's like focus, you yeah. mindset shift right there.
1: I do also really like that. And that's where Tui sort of feels like a gift in and of itself, right? Because like I have, and I know my friends who have kids that, that don't have the, the gifted component of things love their children and have wonderful children and all that sort of stuff, but I'd be lying. I think twice exceptional parents have to look at the gift side as, a, as, a, as a, um, a, a silver lining, not in terms of like what your child will achieve, but in terms of making the harder stuff easier to deal with. Because yeah, my kid may have a meltdown or may freak out, not anymore, but like, you know, I, we went through those phases where he would do those things or he may have an anxiety attack. My kid does have anxiety attacks. He'll freak the F out about bugs. For no reason, out of nowhere, or he'll decide that he heard a noise outside and that somebody's coming to kill him, or you know, like he'll have a, he can he will have an anxiety attack. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, we'll sit down and I'll be his scribe so he can you know write a story, and it'll be like the best story any fifth graders ever written in like the history of the world. So like, <laughs> you know, it's like there's there's these wonderful pieces that make the other stuff easier to deal with because we do have ways to connect. It's not like it's hard to get through to him, you know, I mean, it's hard to get through to him about certain things, but like on an emotional level, we're connected. So I think you just have to find the gold in your kid, like the things that they are good at or the, or even like not necessarily good at, but like the big feelings, like big feelings are difficult, but big feelings, I mean, there's a lot of empathy and there's a lot of understanding and there's a lot of observing going on. So there's just opportunities to connect. And if you can, you know, seize those opportunities, then the times when you want to kill him seem less taxing.
0: That quote is perfect. There's the quote right there. Uh, And and from the very beginning, you did embrace him. I have no doubt that there were very hard moments as there are for all of the moms who listen and myself. Yeah, I knew. But you, you were there, you were like, cool. Yeah. You got the quirks like, awesome. Let's go. Let's, let's do this thing. And that is, has put him and you in a really good And I think that's the takeaway for me out of this conversation. And I can't go back in time. I can't fix the way I was feeling years ago, but right now, every day I can say, yeah, there's there's definitely some struggles. Oh my gosh. But guess what he can do and guess what he loves and he's passionate about it. And and he's happy about this and his eyes light up when he's talking about this and and finding that and focusing on that rather than the other
1: Listen, it's easy sometimes, right? It's easy like when we all like theorize about them and they're not up our butts, like asking for stuff, or it's not mom, 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 because that's the other thing. Like I can't imagine you have more than one child. I have one child. I have one child, and now I have him. You know, sixty percent of the time. Oh, man. So I yeah, still have time. Like I'm, I don't have him all the time, is what I'm saying. Like you, I, I have still some freedom. I wish he were here full time. I think our life ultimately would be easier because it would be a smoother quality to it. And we'd really be able to make progress in certain ways that we're not able to make because he loses it when he goes to his dads. And, you know, that's, that's harder. Um, But at the same time, like in a way it's a blessing and it allows me to get peace and to get my energy back. So if I had to do it all the time, like, yeah, I can only imagine how hard it is. Like it's it's hard. I mean, I had him, don't get me wrong. I had him all the time when he was three and four, his father was not taking him all the time. And so I had him all the time. And that was like, yeah. deep stuff. That's what I said. That's when I
0: was like, oh, it's five o'clock. Where's that glass of rosé? Yeah. Yeah. And the preschool <laughs> years, the preschool years were really rough for us too. But I, yeah. I I think, yeah, I think you're, you're, you're just onto something. I love the, the I don't know, the upbeat, positive way that you show up for your child. That, that feels good on the other end to hear that doing this podcast and talking with moms like you, that has been my church. That has been my, my community. That's, that's the place I find validation i feel better about myself when i finish conversations like this one with you
1: yeah me too you know we Listen, find these, each other in them these are the kids that are going to change the world and whether they're changing the world on like the large scale or whether they're just changing the world and how people understand how to interact with other people because one thing you have to say about this generation of young people and our kids maybe the next one after that like they're probably not z's they're whatever the hell it ends up being they're so accepting they're, you know, like they're, you know, they they kind of just like take their friends at face value, like, you know, all that sort of stuff. Like my kid has a friend who's trans and he accepted her before she was referring to herself as a her and, the, you know, all that and just thought thought nothing of it. And I think that if they can be the kids that help people accept neurodiversity and like, hey, my brain works different and I really got to do this or I need to keep this thing in my mouth and chew on it or I'm not going to be able to focus. Or, you know, like people start to accept that there, there isn't, you don't have to fit into this, like, and this is the wrong way to put it, but I just think of it because I went to Catholic school, you know, that sort of like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, buy the books that follow the hammer, the ruler's going to come down on your knuckles kind of mentality
0: then, you know, then, then that's changing the world for a positive too. And so are you by talking about this, by bringing it to um, the attention of other mothers who might be like, oh, that's what this is. Oh, Oh, I feel like
1: I have a, for moms in Los Angeles, anytime, like I see, like I was on one of the chats. I think I told you about, there's another group in Connecticut, like that. I saw that I did one of their, like, I listened to one of their things and we were, private texting and like the message thing. And the other mom was in LA and I was like, oh my God, I'm like a master class in LA. I can tell you where to go for this, where to go for this, where to go for this, what group is where. I'm not always the great, greatest about keeping up with the groups because part of the issue of when the fact that I figured everything out when Dash was so young is that he was the youngest every time we went to anything so like, I kind of stopped going because like there wasn't anybody to click with. Whereas like, if I showed up now, I bet there's like four 11 year olds at you know East Side gifted that have like auditory processing
0: or, you know, whatever. <laughs> else. Yeah. So. yeah, it's amazing. I You were awesome. Now, where can other mothers find you if they have questions, if they live in the area or if they just want to pick your brain?
1: Oh, let's see. Um, I mean, I'm on all the social medias. I'm on Twitter at Twitter. I'm Belle Epoch. B e l l e e p o q u e. Um, and also you can just Google me, Stephanie K. Smith, and that'll take you to my website, which has an email contact. But I'm on all the socials. I'm on uh, on Instagram, on Facebook. I, I mean, I have like the TikTok and everything. I don't use it. I'm like thinking, like no. I'm like a. I'm the. I'm the zenial like geriatric. <laughs> whatever they're calling us these days oh
0: boy yeah and your your future teenager would just love it seeing his mom on tiktok i'm sure right. hey. oh my god oh, oh yeah. my
1: god
0: he'll be mortified well stephanie this has been awesome it's been validating I'm sorry for me. if
1: i rambled
0: oh no no you hit i mean i'm telling you when you first were describing him i and i knew this already but my listeners who know my kid are going to be shocked it's they're twins they are twins it's like, oh, God, that feels so good. I've been waiting to hear this for so many years. They're you to be
1: okay. You're going to yeah, make it, okay. you know? Yeah. And, and, and things get better and things get smoother. And like, I mean, yeah, I'm like I said, I'm just starting puberty and I'm terrified about it. Ooh. Fortunately, we have a good enough relationship that like he talks to me about it. So yeah. that feels really good. That was like a big deal uh, for me. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's always a new adventure.
0: Yeah, it is. Well, thank you, Stephanie, so much. Thank These you for awesome. having me. This was the best. Thanks for listening today. If you would like to talk with me personally, where we can chat and just get to know each other like old friends, I would love to do a discovery call with you. Go to my website ontheharddays.com and click on schedule a call. And if you're not already subscribed to this podcast, please do so so that you get the latest when they roll out. Not to mention, please leave a review if you feel like this episode spoke to you. That way, the podcast will be shown to more mothers. And finally, you can find me on Instagram at ontheharddays with dots in between each word or in my free Facebook community Podcast and community. If you are feeling isolated in your parenting journey, I encourage you to reach out through any of these means, so that I can connect you with your people and support you in whatever way you need.